Hello, and welcome to Tech Connects, Dice's podcast where we dig into the topics on tech hiring, recruiting, and careers that matter to you. I'm your host, Nick Kolakowski, and I'm going to talk to great guests every month about the current state of the tech careers world, including the state of the tech job market, the hottest tech skills, what companies are doing to attract and retain technologists in a historically tight market, and much, much more. My guest today is Mark Pfeffer, who's the executive editor at Recruiting Daily. He's also editor and publisher of the HCM Technology Report. He has a long story career as a journalist covering the technology industry, with a particular focus on hiring and recruiting trends and HR tech. Mark and I first met while he was the managing editor of Dice, and I've always found him to be one of the most insightful people in the business. Today, we're going to chat about a variety of topics, including the current economic uncertainty, the rise of automation and hiring, and even how companies are approaching next-generation technologies like augmented reality. So let's jump in. So I guess kind of the main thing, you know, you've been, you've been working in this particular vein and observing this industry and recruiting in tech for so long. Um, to me, at least, it seems like kind of a little bit of an odd moment because according to the BLS and all this other data, you know, tech employment is way down. It's like 1.8% in June and whatever. And yet, and, you know, and it seems like there's still a pretty strong hiring cadence. And yet all these companies, you know, every day there's these headlines like, you know, Google and so on. There's been hiring freezes, there's been hiring slowdowns, there's been layoffs at Oracle and so on. So it seems like kind of like a tale of two cities, like they're, they're sort of the best of times and the worst of times. And it's, it's confusing a lot of people. And it seems like there's all these contradictory signals. I mean, what, what's your take on it? Well, I, I think right now these hiring freezes that you see are basically um, corporate nervousness. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically want to make sure that they're set up for bad times if the if the bad times come, um, and they can always resume hiring, you know, when whenever they want to. Um, I do suspect we're in for a, a, a slowdown um, of some sort, um, you know, at some point in the next you know, probably a year or two, but I don't think anybody can predict how bad it's going to be um, mm. and how long it's going to last. So I, I think these companies are going to have to be careful about how long they they put a lock on getting new resources in the door. Do you think, do you think, I mean, one of the things I've been seeing, like, for example, Robin Hood a couple of days ago, I believe, said something to the effect of that they had like overhired. And I also heard that from Coinbase, like some of these, you know, especially in like cryptocurrency and fintech and some of these companies that moved aggressively because they thought Bitcoin would go to a million dollars per BTC, like within a year. Yikes. Um, do you think, but do you think kind of the broader tech industry overhired or do you think it's just some of these like sub industries that got a little bit too far over their skis in terms of like hiring massive amounts of people, et cetera? Um, I, I, Tend to think that it's um, it's some subsegments of yeah. the uh, of the industry. I don't think everybody was out there, you know, doing it. Certainly not, you know, the IBMs, the Oracles, the SAPs of the world. Yeah. Um, and it's some of these other companies like like Google or Apple who uh, they kind of ride waves of hype, you know, a lot of the time. So they staff up and do some cool stuff, and then something changes, so they let people go or stop hiring. Um, and I, I think that's what's behind that whole conversation. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely been weird just because, um, you know, I'm sure, you, I mean, like, like me, I mean, I'm sure you get dozens of PR pitches and so on. And like for a long time, it seemed like the, the PR line was, oh, like we're hiring so rapidly, like we're building out, we're going to conquer the world by like Q2, like 2022. And it seems that that 
I'm still getting those pitches. I'm still getting a lot of those pitches, but it seems like, I mean, especially all these supposedly burgeoning industries like crypto and so on kind of like definitely slowed down. So I definitely agree with you. I think, you know, it's, it seems some segments more than others really got sort of ground up in that whole thing. Um, certainly you're not seeing SAP or somebody say like, you know, we previously overhired Oracle is, Oracle's doing layoffs right now, but they're also investing so heavily in the cloud and they're hiring people and stuff. It seems like the company, it seems more like a re for some of the big ones, it seems more like a rebalancing maybe instead of, uh, you, know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, Oracle's so big yeah. that I, I would think whatever you do as an executive in Oracle is trying to hit a moving target, you know, no matter what the economy and, and no matter what the business climate. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree. What were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, well, I said that 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 was that was my observation. <laughs> the, my favorite Oracle moment was I forget which Oracle world it was, but at one point Larry Elson was supposed to give the keynote and he didn't show up because I guess he had just taken delivery on like one of his new super sailboats and he was busy sailing around the bay instead of attending the keynote to like speak to the however many thousands of people had paid whatever. I just remember it because um, it was hilarious. But then Benioff at Salesforce because they're so in such sort of fierce competition with Oracle, I just, every time I saw Benioff in a keynote or a speech, it seemed like he wouldn't be, he cited it at least once where he wouldn't be quiet about it. Like somehow, like people were stunned that Larry Allison would do something like that, which, which stunned me that people would be surprised over anything like that. You know, when you, when you literally own part of Hawaii, you, you get to make your own rules. It seems like, I mean, like Zuckerberg, Allison, I mean, it seems like a, Benioff, it, it seems like for like a lot of these CEOs that, that buying like a significant chunk of Hawaii is like the in thing to do. That like you take your ill-gotten gains and buy a part of an island like a James Bond villain or something. Well, you know, it's three three thousand miles off the West Coast. It's like the ultimate gated community. That's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah, like no one. If you have like 500 acres of jungle, like you can definitely create your own little world in there. Like you know, no one's no one's observing you. No one's getting close. Nothing like that. Do you think, I mean, so, I mean, like, for example, yesterday, I mean, I was, I was talking to a couple of recruiters and, you know, I was over the past couple of weeks and things like that about everything that's sort of been going on with regard to all this hiring, you know, the hiring freezes and the potential for it and everything else. And, um, you know, in the sort of amidst all the uncertainty of hiring and so on, I mean, it, it seemed like some of these recruiters, they they wanted to adjust. I mean, obviously, they want to make sure that they're not missing the market or not anticipating the market, but they weren't sure how to adjust. Um, do you see that? I mean, is there any like sort of are recruiters hiring people? I mean, in terms of hiring managers, recruiters, are you seeing anybody like adjust or change or anything like that? Or do you think people are just sort of wait and see? Like, what's your temperature on that? Um, I, I have not seen anybody change um, their their approach, their methodology. I do think that if you get down to the front lines, the um, sourcers and the recruiters um, who are interacting directly with candidates are having to work somewhat harder hmm. um, to, to find the right candidates. Um, and, you know, I think everybody's hoping that will, that will ease. But, um, you know, the big changes that I see is just that there's more and more companies putting in more and more sophisticated technology um, for their talent acquisition teams. Um, so you mean like I mean, automation? I'm sorry? So you mean like automation, stuff like that? Like automation, yeah. Automation <clears throat> is a big part of it, but, you know, there's there's more platforms coming out for assessments. Okay. Um, you know, for example, um, 
you know, uh, different um, applicant tracking systems that can work with internal uh, people as well as external people. Hmm. Um, you know, one of the biggest changes we've seen in the last couple of years is more of a focus on internal mobility, meaning trying to find a new position for somebody who already works for you. So you keep them as opposed to, to letting them go. Um, and the recruiters are starting to go after those people. It's not just sort of crawl up through your hiring manager like it used to be. Interesting. The, um, in terms of the, the automated assessments and things like that, there was, there was a story the other day where I guess at, at Tesla, instead of buying that kind of software for like HR, for like acquisition and talent management and so on from an outside vendor, whatever, Tesla's actually building its own. And I wonder, given the complexity of that software, I mean, obviously Tesla has a lot of money, but that must be a really, it seems that, I mean, it takes a lot of fine tuning to get that right for companies, especially companies that have very specialized needs. So it was sort of was mind blowing to me that Tesla, given everything else going on with like kind of reserve the, the mind share, whatever you want to call it in order to kind of get that done. Um, you know, cause it seems even when companies buy off the rack, they're, they're trying to kind of fine tune it, you know, and they don't quite always nail it in terms of assessing and, and, and things like that, especially when it comes to, I guess soft skills, I mean, uh, what recruiters tell me is that even with all the automated tools and everything like that, I mean, you can obviously evaluate whether somebody knows a programming language or something like that, but it gets more difficult for them to, um, you know, how do you teamwork creativity? Like, how do you evaluate that? Do you think, I mean, even with the automated tools and the assessments and everything like that, there's still like the human element of it, I mean, for recruiters and so on. And just, I mean, how are they trying to balance that out? How do you keep like the the necessary human element in recruiting while also like getting the efficiencies out of, you know, these cool tools and everything that are coming online? Well, <clears throat> I think most people, you know, in the business would say, and I, I actually think it's pretty much true, um, that the use of automation is really just to get rid of the the dull stuff, the boring stuff that just has to be done. Um, thank you emails or scheduling or, you know, paperwork kind of, kind of stuff. And the, the idea is that if they don't have to schedule all of their interviews, say a recruiter can spend more time talking to candidates, yeah. um, selling the company. I've, I've actually never seen a time where the idea of selling the company as an employer has has had so much attention you know put to it so um you know i i think that automation is going to continue to be a you know a pretty important tool but i don't, I don't think it's going to result in more automation fewer recruiters yeah. um you know i'm sure there'll be some headcount um issues to go along but um I think the recruiter's job is, is a lot better than it was even a few years ago before things started to get automated. Just because they can, obviously, they have that, they now have that time to be able to focus on other things given all of that. The um, it, it, It's an older story, but the, the thing that I always think of when I think of automation is um, a couple of years back, I think it was a couple of years back, maybe it was more recently, Amazon tried to do they tried to basically use machine learning and AI to develop a resume scanner. It's a famous story, like within recruiting circles, and it ended up being horribly biased, and they had to vaporize the whole thing before it could become Skynet. Um, have you seen anything? I mean, 
has there been a lot of AI and machine learning applied to like resume scanning, like kind of trying to find and sort candidates and things like that for recruiters? Or is that still something that, I mean, AI machine learning, people are still kind of a little bit hands off about it. I mean, what, what, where is that right now? Most of what I see is, um, um, you know, is again, the AI being used for automation um, or maybe to route some possibilities over for the recruiter. Mm-hmm. to make the actual decision. Yeah. Um, I think what happened with Amazon sort of scared everybody off trying yeah. to make um, make something completely automated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that could also have been a thing unique to Amazon because they, they've automated, you know, a whole lot of their HR. Um, there's a story in the New York Times not long ago about how um, their warehouses were basically run by machine. Mm-hmm. People were fired by machine. You know, yeah. and um, and couldn't get a hold of a human to to protest if it was a mistake. Um, I think Amazon likes that kind of very technically sophisticated solution, and you know they they fouled up with the uh, the one that was scanning resumes and rejecting women. They thought, I mean, they think it's their, I mean, they think it's a good way to slice through the complexity. When you think of the scale that they're operating at with like, I mean, who knows, I mean, the, the second largest employer in America or something like that, you like, you can understand it, but yeah, no, when you rush into it too fast, I mean, the thing about the firing is horrible about, you know, not being able to kind of get a human. I haven't really, I mean, in, in terms of like people being laid off or things like that, like, I mean, I don't think, I don't think any company other than Amazon, I haven't certainly haven't heard of very many companies trying to do that by machine, like trying to do like some sort of automated process for performance reviews and, and so on. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, who was it just, I mean, just like this last week, um, not Spotify. Um, I, I think it was some, some kind of, you know, um, audio company mm-hmm. um, basically laid off a thousand people by email. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they're getting beat up for it so. as well. They should be. I'm trying to remember. No, I know who you're referring to. And it's going to bother me until I do like a, a Google News document and find it. But yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, yeah, you just can't do that. I mean, like, I mean, candidates they want. It's almost like I was talking to this 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 um, recruiting specialist who was talking about how like you, you're always going to need that sort of human i mean candidates want to interact with the human element to it they want like that 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 touch you know i mean it doesn't you do stuff by email and so on sure it's efficient from a company point of view but like it doesn't it doesn't work for you or it doesn't work for the people who are impacted by it in that way um yeah i mean that's that's really and, you know one of the things that's really ironic i guess about this is these same companies that are doing that kind of thing, yeah. you know, firing people by email or, or, or Zoom, you know, three days earlier, they were talking about the importance of their human capital and trying to tell everybody what a great place to, to work, you know, they are. I, I've never really understood how that disconnect, you know, appears um, around around employment, you know, yeah. around staff and, and workers, but it always seems to culturally it, it it is a very weird thing where it's like and it's it's kind of spooky just because you you with the wrong culture yeah then you have executives and other people who are like oh we're all a family here we love you very deeply etc cetera, etc cetera. by the way the email saying that you're terminated will arrive in your inbox in five minutes and you can't talk to a human being about it. i mean it's 
you, you, it's it's like companies adopt like the the terminology, like they learn the script and so on, but they don't act. It's not really baked into the culture in a way that's real, that works or so on. And that's that's freaky. And I mean, the other thing too is you go on Glassdoor and various review sites and Reddit and so on, and it's not like as much as maybe some of these companies wanted to, these things don't happen in like some sort of weird vacuum. It's like people talk and they realize, and you, you have to really start to wonder if, you know, good talent starts running the other direction once they hear horror stories like that. And I'm sure they do, especially now with the unemployment rate and tech being what it is that they're going to head for the hills or at least another company. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all heard stories from, you know, friends, colleagues who've gone out to interview for a company and came came back and just you know said it for whatever the reason it was crazy, they they had them wait for an hour or you had to go through eight interviews or, or what have you. And and you're right, that stuff that stuff counts. Yeah. Or like you know the the infamous like fifteen different assessments and so on. And uh, it's it's I I I'm blanking on who it is at the moment. There was some, it was a software engineer who invented a particular programming language that Google used. And he interviewed at Google and whoever he was interviewing with at Google gave him an assessment that asked like some sort of like basic issue, like binary tree question or something. And somehow he missed it because he hadn't been in a, in a CS class in 25 years or whatever. And they didn't, even though he invented the language that they were hiring him for, like they didn't give him the job. I mean, sometimes those assessments really, don't take like the candidates like full picture into account. Like there's no human being like, Hey, wait, saying, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe this is not the route that we should be doing to this particular candidate. But yeah, it's good for big think, companies too. I, no, I think that's true. I think, you know, for some reason that, that makes me think of, you know, if you look at big companies like Walmart um, or, uh, you know, McDonald's or Lowe's or Home Depot, they essentially have two workforces. You know, they have their corporate workforce who, um, you know, works in the headquarters and a nice office. And, you know, and those companies all treat their corporate folks pretty well. Um, <clears throat> but then, of course, you have the other part of the company, which are the people making barely minimum wage, you know, and, and what have you in, in a store uh, mm-hmm. or a restaurant. Um, and yet, Oftentimes, that those um, lower-paid people um, on the front, the front end of retail, um, are the hardest to get. Um, those those employers are constantly struggling to try to figure out how they're going to hire a thousand people or or what have you. Amazon tried to do something a few years ago where they introduced classes and they were trying to upskill those workers and try to try to turn them into technologists um, in data science and engineering and so on. And it was a very big deal at the time. They were pumping tons of money into it. There's lots of press releases. There's lots of Amazon PR, you know, leaving voicemails on reporters' boxes and so on. And I don't know, that, that's a good point. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard, but I've certainly, since then, I've never heard anything else about that initiative. And now I'm wondering how well that panned out, if they were truly pipelining people to tech jobs from the front end, or if it just sort of withered away. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it was a big deal that went radio silent. You know, I, I don't know. That, that, that's a really good question. Um, mm. You know, it, it would seem like it would solve a whole lot of problems for Amazon, the you know, the PR issue they continuously have. Um, I would imagine that it's cheaper to identify 
someone who's internal and then train them rather than go out and do a full-blown search. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Other companies emulated it too. I think Walmart maybe was trying to, because Walmart Labs and all of its tech, I mean, because obviously they're trying to compete with Amazon on like the e-commerce front and so on. I, th- I think Walmart was trying that. Tech. It seemed like for, for a hot minute that it was a, that a lot of recruiters and recruiting executives out there were like, we're going to do this. We're going to upskill everybody. And then it sort of, it sort of withered away. It was, it was, it was strange. You look into well, that. I, 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 it may have withered away at Amazon. Um, I, I don't know if you can say that broadly. Okay. Um, you know, the, the big thing this year um, in recruiting has been um, internal mobility. Is, is the buzzword. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically means if somebody wants to leave, you do what you need to do to keep them, including helping them upskill, finding them a new job, um, take down barriers for applying for a new job in-house. Um, and basically, it's all about suppressing your retention rate and saving money because you, you, you save a lot of money in the, the search. Um you know, it just it works out better economically all the way around. The thing that I'm wondering about with that, I mean, it, it, it's a wonderful idea. And I, in terms of like, let's say somebody's more interested, let's say, I don't know, pick your role. Like somebody's, somebody's a junior developer and they want to be a, working in the data science, company's data science division. That obviously requires a certain degree of training and mentorship and things like that. Some companies are like so dedicated. I mean, we've all worked at companies like this that are so sort of dedicated to the silo that it, it would seem that the, 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 in order to make that plan work, companies would have to undergo like sort of almost a massive cultural shift. Or am I overthinking it? I mean, like how how easy is this for companies to implement? Because it sounds like it's just maybe a lot more work than just sort of being like, oh, now you can work over here. Yeah, I I, I suspect it really depends on the company. Um you know, I, I, I've talked to some people who've done this you know, successfully. Um, and now that I think of it, you know, none of, them are, none of them are huge companies. I mean, they might be a couple of hundred people or you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think there's an awful lot of good ideas in recruiting and workforce management that have gone to die, you know, at the hands of um, hiring managers who just don't want to change you know, the way they're doing things. And I think this is, this is absolutely one way that they wouldn't like it. It, it also seems like it would be kind of a, a, a ripe, a ripe opportunity to like spark either intentionally or unintentionally spark off a lot of territory fights. Because if you have manager A who really likes their people, but their people really want to work for manager B, it would seem like the HR people and upper management and so on, real, you'd really need to finesse that. Otherwise, you're going to have a war on your hands depending on the breakdown of the managers and so on. It's just, it's just fascinating like how you would – it's such a soft skills problem. Like how would you finesse all this to make sure it actually works smoothly? It's really – Yeah, uh, I think that's true. But, you know, I think this, this problem about managers not wanting to give somebody up um, for turf reasons or whatever, that's been with us a long time. I mean – 35 years ago, um, I was working for a company and wanted to move um, within the division to another another department. And I talked to my, my boss and he said, okay, I'll put the word out that it's okay to talk to you. Because none of the directors, nobody on the other side of the, the building would have, would have talked to me about a job mm-hmm. unless they had his permission. Yeah. So, as soon as he gave you know, his okay, everything went fine. Oh wow! I mean, that's 
that's really lucky. I mean, you can also see how that could have potentially gone, you know, somebody got territory. You could also see, you know, that could have just caused drama. And it sounds like that was that was really facilitated, which is, you know, obviously the best possible outcome. Yeah. 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 That's, it, you, you have to really know how to read the room. Yeah. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if your department head or your, your boss is going to be okay with something like that, you, you probably already know it, I would I would guess. Um, and it's, it's a shame if he's if he's not good about it, you are kind of stuck, but I don't know what you do about it. I think, I mean, at larger tech companies like the, like Microsoft certainly does it, Google does it. I mean, you can like jump onto other projects if you sort of have the expertise and you petition for it. And I think that does cause like, it has, does have the potential to cause sort of managerial strife. I mean, Microsoft has been famous at moments for kind of the internal fighting for like people resources and so on. Like they don't want their people to leave for another project. They get jealous, they get angry. Um, you know, so I mean, that, that, that's something that happens to bigger companies and it seems like you need almost like a Steve Ballmer type to kind of like bring the hammer down and be like, okay, everyone's going to play nice. This is what I care about. So therefore the talent is going to go here. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those kind of messier questions that make this whole thing like so fascinating. Oh no, it, it is. It, it, you know, one of the things that's really fascinating about it is it's, it's another area where, you know, companies tend to talk out of both sides of their mouths. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want to talk about internal mobility and promoting from within and, and all of that kind of stuff. And then, then they don't do it. Yeah. You know, they just, they just keep going and look outside or bring in consultants or something like that. Some companies are better than, I mean, Apple seems to be really dedicated to like hiring from you know, within and, and promoting and smaller companies, I think are better at it than large companies. Large companies somehow think that like parachuting people in is the best solution. And oftentimes it doesn't really seem to work out. People leave after six months or whatever. It's not. I think large companies are, they're very conservative mm-hmm. um, environments. Um, yeah. And I don't, don't mean conservative in the political sense. I just mean that they've had, a way of operating their business for a hundred years or 50 years or what have you. Uh, and they don't really want to go futz around with it. Um, you know, they, they might talk about it, but when it comes right down to it, if you're the hiring manager or the HR director, or the talent acquisition director, sort of going off on a different tangent, a different path, you know, can be a little scary. The, um, I mean, I covered Microsoft for a really long time. And the thing at Microsoft also is that, I mean, if you're a, if you're a technologist or an executive, whoever, and you're in a really prime spot, you're not going to move. And that means that you've, you've sort of bottlenecked everything beyond you. Like I would be covering the same areas for years and the same people would, you know, even when you think they were clearly extremely smart people and they could have promoted themselves. But I think some people they really wanted for personal reasons or financial reasons or whatever to be like the head of mobility or whatever. And they just wouldn't shift and then that causes you know people might want to jump over and work in a division or whatever and they can't really kind of get past that so i mean you got to persuade people to keep growing i guess in order to kind of keep everything in the system moving around or something i don't know it's, it's i think about that a lot just how just keep running the same people for like five or ten years and they just kept in the same positions and really shift at all yeah like yeah i mean you know the thing about keeping people in in place is um, you don't get no ideas. That's true. And if, if you're you're keeping somebody in, in a single place for ten years or something, I mean, there's there's some opportunity cost. 
or they get or they get really weird. I remember when I was so when I was covering Microsoft is right when they launched Windows when they were building, designing, and launching Windows Eight. So this was a, a fair amount of time ago, and um, elements of that team got so locked in what they were doing, and they were so used to being in their position and so on that they decided that Windows Eight was going to be based solely off telemetry without any sort of like or very much user input and so on. And then, of course, what they released was something that nobody wanted. It was like that weird interface where they were trying to like embrace touch mobility it kind of had those big tiles and everything and you couldn't get to the desktop unless you like tap this random button over here and like everyone hated it but i mean i think that's the consequence of that you have people in the position you know they get comfortable they don't want to shift i mean it's really um can have major consequences if you're not careful sometimes yeah and i think microsoft likes to come up with these big dramatic products or you know product plans just to come up with big dramatic products yeah um you know that that interface. I remember. I, I never. I never got it. I mean, just looking at it, I couldn't see how how I would use it every day. Yeah. Um, you know, but you you wonder what their research said and how they came up with it. You might be on the verge of that again with all this AR stuff. I mean, companies. I mean, small companies, large companies. A lot of companies have been talking to her like, "Ooh, the future is the metaverse and AR." Um, and I think a lot of people we're going to kind of like with smartphones, we might start seeing like this this burst of you know products it'll be interesting just like the early smartphones were um but we'll see where that goes i just i think we're on the verge of that for better or worse apple's going to roll out something everyone's going to follow it yeah, i think that's right I, I don't know if if it's going to be truly ready for prime time as quickly as everybody seems to think yeah, um think so. you know i think i think you're right it's, it's definitely coming but i think it's a little bit off the um a buddy of mine um builds AR apps and VR apps for a bunch of companies. And he and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And he, this is somebody who, who makes money off this. He works in it. He's very deeply involved in this kind of whole thing. He says that Facebook version of the metaverse where everything is like you're immersed in this kind of crazy sci-fi VR environment and so on. He said that's at least 10 years off if it ever comes. Because right now, if you wanted that sort of graphical fidelity, you'd need a headset on that was like basically like an F-16 on your head. It would have like giant, you know, like a huge processor, giant vents. I mean, it wouldn't, the, the hardware is not there yet. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be a while despite all the, the metaverse chatter, chatter, quote unquote. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think the technology is largely there, but you know, it's probably not much beyond second life stage or, you know, yeah. at this point. I'm not seeing a lot. It's funny we use we use a couple of different databases. I don't know if you've been seeing any sort of recruiting activity around all this AR, VR, metaverse stuff. I haven't seen very much. The numbers around it haven't been very high. It's not like mobile right. apps or whatever where people are rushing into it. I mean, it could change very quickly, but for right now, it doesn't seem like there's momentum behind it in that sense. Um, yeah, well, and the stuff is still expensive, and that's that's going to be a, a break. But I I will say. Um, I had one vendor company that's in uh, doing VR learning, and they sent me a, a, um, a headset and okay. uh, you know a, a demo and all of this kind of stuff. And so I put the goggles on and I go take a, a class and doing maintenance work on a 747 or something. Oh, cool. When I opened my eyes and looked around. And it was like I was at the airport. Oh, it was incredibly cool. It was it, it was in, incredibly engaging. And another one of the scenarios was to be a retail clerk 
in like a drugstore who's oh. getting robbed. Oh, wow. So, Oof. you know, what do you, how do you, how do you react to being robbed? Cause yeah. um, absolutely believable. Um, the whole scene, the way it was done That's and crazy. the way it was given to, to the user to, uh, to respond. So, I mean, there's an awful lot of potential there that that's not going to go away. Um, I suspect it'll be a few years of futzing around and then it'll start to gain momentum. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't really, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I mean, just be able to work on like a virtual jet or, I mean, it's the, 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 the convenience store thing is scary. I mean, that's terrifying, but the, the, the jet part of it is, is, is really cool sounding. Well, they, they had, <clears throat> there were five scenarios. There was the, uh, the airliner, the retail store. Um, uh, there was um, packing boxes mm-hmm. uh, at some kind of store. There was um, a football game. Oh, cool. And there was um, some some workmen installing like a gas line mm-hmm. oh, okay. under, in, under a manhole. Yeah. So it, it covered a whole range of, of things, but it, it did them all pretty well. That's cool. So where do you think, I mean, in terms of where tech hiring is going, do you think it's from the recruiter side, do you think it's it's more automation, more? I mean, what we were talking about before in terms of automated assessments and so on, or do you think? I mean, where where is this going over the next couple of years for recruiters? I mean, what do they? Where, well, do, where do you? Think I mean, I, I don't think tech tech recruiting is going to be markedly different from you know other kinds of of corporate recruiting. Yeah. Um, you know, healthcare recruiting is is every bit as dynamic as as tech recruiting. I think. Um. I think I think the automation though is is being widely accepted. Um, you know, it has not caused tons of layoffs, so people aren't they're getting less and less afraid of it. Hmm. Um, and if you're a recruiter who suddenly doesn't have to do, you know, thirty appointments a day, or you know, to to, to you know to document them, you know, put them in the calendar, um, you're probably pretty happy with that. Um, so I. I do think that the, the trend will will continue, um, especially as um, you know, productivity. I think is going to become a, a more important metric for everybody, and so this is a way for recruiters to increase their their productivity uh, in, yeah. in a very real way for not a lot of money. And that's it, folks. I love talking to Mark because he has a thirty five thousand foot view on the tech industry, particularly tech hiring. And he's always insightful about how things are evolving. Plus, after the conversation we've just had, I'm now wondering which tech CEO would make the best James Bond villain. Here are some key takeaways from our conversation. Although tech unemployment is notably low and companies everywhere are hiring, there are also fears of potential recession. And some companies, most notably some of the tech giants, have been slowing hiring or even initiating some layoffs. In light of that, this is a good time for recruiters and hiring managers to see how they can adapt to different circumstances. Perhaps your budget for salaries is cut and you need to offer candidates a different set of benefits, such as training and education. Or perhaps you need to figure out what the company really needs in that moment, which requires a good conversation with executives and hiring managers. Second, automation isn't just coming for recruiters and their processes. It's here already. Getting familiar with automation, from applicant tracking systems to assessments, will go a long way toward allowing you to effectively source candidates. Third, companies seeking and retaining talent can focus on upskilling candidates. What barriers do you need to remove to get candidates the training and the support they need? What can you do to remove barriers to candidates so that they can apply for better jobs in-house? 
For recruiters and hiring managers, that's all a lot to think about. Fortunately, many companies seem to be making the necessary steps to evolve their hiring. And with that, we'll see you next time. And remember, Dice is your best resource to find the tech talent you need to fill your open roles and for technologists, the best place to grow your tech career.